and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. This is the podcast for helping elementary readers and writers thrive. This is episode 29, and it is airing just before Thanksgiving. Today's episode is focused on independent reading. I've had many questions and comments recently about how to make this time more meaningful for students. So I have some ideas and strategies for setting up this instructional time of the day. I'm also going to share some Thanksgiving books that you can use with students because the holiday is just around the corner. And finally, I'm going to end with a planning hack. So let's jump right into this episode. Okay, today's literacy focus is independent reading. Independent reading is when students read books on their own, independently, without the teacher directly supporting them with the reading. This can also be called dear time or drop everything and read. So let's talk about why this independent reading time is so important in the classroom. So kids become stronger and more confident readers by reading. It's just like riding a bike. The only way that kids will get better is to actually do the work of reading. And they need time to read books that have words that they can decode or that are at their own level. Kids also need unrushed time to read their books, and they also need time to think about what they have read. So we can't just rush through the reading. We actually we also have to give them time to think about and to process what they're reading to make sense of it. Over the last few weeks, some of my students have been sharing that they're have been sharing their daily schedules with me. And one thing I've noticed is that first of all, their schedules are very full. And independent reading time seems to be either at the beginning of the day or it is right after lunch. So in the daily schedule, it's more like filler or transition time, this independent reading, when the students can read before moving into the beginning of the day or before moving into content area instruction, such as math or social studies or writing instruction. There isn't anything connected with this independent reading time. The kids are just expected to do it on their own. And my students have noticed this. Many of them have expressed concern that the students were not really reading during this time. And I can completely relate to this, and I'm sure many of you can as well. So I'm going to go back to eighth grade. And I vividly remember when I was in eighth grade, every Friday, The teacher gave us the entire class period, which was 50 minutes to read books on our own independently. That's all we had to do the whole class period was read. This reading was never checked. I never had anything to submit with the reading. There was never a lesson connected to the reading. All we did was just read. 
And I do not remember how I found the books that I was reading during this time. I'm pretty sure that the teacher didn't help us find the books. I believe we had to just bring them from home and spend the time reading. So I remember when I was in eighth grade, some Fridays I would really spend the time and read. And other Fridays, I would just flip through those books because I didn't really like what I was reading or I didn't really feel like reading. And since nothing was connected to it, I didn't have to submit anything. There was no reason to spend time really digging into this work. Okay. So in my opinion, this is when independent reading is actually a problem. And my students, many of them are feeling this as well. When there is not a focus to the reading time and when the students are not getting any support with the books that they could be reading, then I've found that not much reading is happening and not definitely not productive reading. And if the whole point is to make kids stronger readers, then we're really doing them a disservice by not setting up some structures to support them. So kids are doing all sorts of other things during this time, and I'm betting that reading is probably not one of them. All right, so how can independent reading time be more beneficial for kids? I have some strategies and tips for how to add more structure for this time. And the first one is take the time to show kids books that they may enjoy reading. It's hard for kids, regardless of what grade level they are in, to know what they want to read. I heard a story from another teacher who said that when her students went to the library, one of the kids was really interested in mystery books and said that there were absolutely no mystery books that he was interested in. But there was a whole library full of books with a mystery section. Sometimes when there are so many options, the kids don't know how to make selections. So we have to help them with that. Okay. Kids also might not know what genre they really like reading, or they may not know about books that they would enjoy or the authors who write books that they would find interesting. This is work, yes, but I really think this is the fun part about teaching reading to kids. We get to help kids learn about and find the books that they will like. So what can you do? All right, I have a few ideas. I actually got these ideas from reading the book, The Gift of Story by John Shu, who was a guest on this podcast earlier this year. He wrote this book mostly aimed at teachers, in addition to the children's books that he's written. And the first strategy that he discusses in the book is the practice of book talking. And book talking is pretty simple. You talk about books and share books that you love with the class. And then you invite students to do the same thing. I think this is such a great strategy because kids are so influenced by one another and maybe they can help spark an interest in a book or an author for other students in the class. And this can be done at the beginning or the end of independent reading time. It really depends on what works best for you and your schedule. If you're sharing books with the students, I would suggest having extra copies of the books available so that kids can read them during the independent reading time if they're really interested in the book. Okay, so that's the first strategy. The second idea that I got from the book, The Gift of Story, was to show book trailers or show interviews with the authors. And again, this is such a great idea to help build interest in kids around books and authors. 
I've noticed recently that many authors put out a book trailer to market their work. And this is so great to share with kids and get them interested in reading the book. And again, have copies of the book available so that the kids can get right into the reading of it if they're interested. Again, in one of the previous episodes of the podcast, I spoke about how my younger daughter loves reading the Pizza and Taco book series. And those books come with so many book trailers. It's wonderful and it really excites the kids so that they're interested in reading the next book in the series. All right. The next strategy I have is that I have to make independent reading more beneficial is to actually teach a strategy before the kids move into reading into their independent reading time. So if you show them how to do some comprehension work, they know what they can do when they are reading. And this just adds real structure to this time. So rather than leaving the reading completely up to the kids, you're really providing structure for them. So here's an example. If you want the students to pay attention to the different settings in the book, show them how to do that. And then during independent reading time, the kids can go off and focus on the setting work while they're reading. This allows you to give this time a very clear focus and it provides structure for the students. So they know exactly what to do. So let's go back to my example from my eighth grade class. There was no structure. I didn't know what to do during reading time. This would provide that. And I am such a big proponent of structure and giving that to kids during this time, a time that's usually less structured, can help keep the students on task. All right. The next strategy, give the kids something specific that they need to do during independent reading time. So if you've taught them a strategy, now you have them do something to practice that strategy while they're reading. I like to call this a deliverable. This is work that they need to complete that connects to the strategy that you taught. And it can be a strategy that you taught that day or a strategy that you taught previously in the week or even the week before. So let's keep going with the setting example. If you want the students to focus on setting changes in the text, then after their reading, they can draw at least two of the settings that were in the book, including as many details as they can remember. That's just one idea. You can do so many different things. They can write this, the setting on a post-it note. It could be as simple as that. Really so many different options. And again, this just adds more structure to this time and gives them work that they need to complete, which then will better ensure that they're doing the reading that you want them to do during this time. All right. The last strategy that I have for you is to let the kids talk about what they read and share their work with each other for the last few minutes of independent reading time. Kids love to talk to one another. So I find that this is a great way and a great time to give students the opportunity to share with one another. Reading is a social experience. So letting them talk about what they're reading and about what they like about what they read helps them make meaning of what they just read and also teaches them how to communicate about the books that they're reading. So think about book clubs for adults. We like to talk about what we read and share our own thinking about the texts. So this is a way to let the kids do the exact same thing. All right. 
I hope there are a few ideas here that help add some structure and purpose to your independent reading time, even if you have to keep this time at the beginning of the day or after lunch or a time that might not be when you would like this to happen. But you can add a strategy lesson to the beginning of it. You can add some deliverable to this. And you can also add having the kids talk about their books as well, adding that book talking in. And I'm really curious if you have any ideas or strategies that have worked well for you during the student's independent reading time. And if you do, feel free to send me an email and share so that we can learn from one another and really make this time meaningful for our students. All right. Next up on today's list are Thanksgiving books, and we are getting ready for Thanksgiving, and there are some great books out there to get kids ready for the holiday, and I just wanted to highlight three of them for you today that I thought were fun and enjoyable books that you can use with students at different grade levels. So the first one is Twas the Night Before Thanksgiving by David Pilkey, and I thought this was just such a fun book. There are eight children who take a field trip on a bus to Farmer McNugget's farm. And while they're at the farm, they meet Farmer McNugget's turkeys and soon realize that these turkeys will be part of the upcoming Thanksgiving feasts. And the children did not like that. So they sneak the turkeys away from the farm and onto the bus and save them. And at the end, each of the each of the eight students has an additional guest at their Thanksgiving celebration. You can guess it's a turkey. And it's a fun book. And it's also a really great mentor text for students. So you can have them try writing their own poem, giving them the starting line, Twas the night before Thanksgiving. And then the students can write about their own Thanksgiving celebrations and they can practice using rhyming words in their own poems to tell their Thanksgiving story. So again, I thought it was a just a fun story, and then it can be used as a nice mentor text with some sentence starters for the kids. All right, the second book that I have for you is How to Catch a Turkey by Adam Wallace and Andy Elkerton. And this is a funny book, and it's told from the point of view of the turkey. So if you want to teach kids to pay attention to who is telling the story or whose perspective the book is being told from, I thought this was a great book to use with kids. So the turkey is supposed to be in a school play, but gets stage fright and runs off, causing quite the commotion at the school. And after a bit of a chase, the turkey ends up back out on the stage and puts on quite the show. And the performance actually started the turkey's career as a mascot. So again, just a really fun book. And it's a great opportunity to teach perspective with kids. All right. The third book, I think I've spoken about this book before on the podcast. It is truly one of my favorites for this time of the year. And it is Turkey Trouble by Wendy Silvano. And in this book, the turkey is trying to disguise himself so that he can escape becoming Thanksgiving dinner. And after trying to be many different farm animals without much success, the turkey dresses up as someone else, and spoiler alert, he's spared. And I've used this with so many different groups of kids at different grade levels, and I've had them decide what to disguise the turkey as, and then they have to write 
about why the turkey is disguised this way. I've done this actually with my graduate students, and what they come up with is great. And then you have a class book that you can use to read together. All right. So I hope those books are helpful for you as we're heading into Thanksgiving. And the last part of this episode has to deal with planning. I really feel that planning is just so essential to our jobs as educators. And I have a planning hack if you have a busy time coming up at work or in your life or both. And we're heading into that end of the year time, that crunch time before the holidays, and it is a busy time. So maybe this will help you. And I'm bringing this up because I've had a few students who are going to have a very busy spring semester, and they're concerned about that. And this is that time period from January to May. And a few of them have been asking how they think they're going to be able to deal with and to manage and accomplish all that they have on their plate in such a short amount of time from this January to May time. And they asked me this because recently I went through a very busy and intense time during the month of October. And I had a schedule that was There isn't another word for it, but intense. It was really intense. And I had to figure out how I was going to manage all of my responsibilities in such a compact timeframe. So here's what I came up with. I had to really learn to compartmentalize everything. And I put in place a system to get through the month, the end of September to the end of October. And it really did help me. And I felt that I was very productive because I did this. And I came up with this layered planning system for this time. So what does that mean? So this means that I had a monthly plan, a weekly plan, and a daily plan. And each level became more concrete and more detailed. So in the middle of September, when I knew this time was approaching, luckily I I did have notice that I was going to be busy. I wrote down everything that I had to do in each area of my life. So my teaching responsibilities, my research responsibilities, my service work to the college. And then I wrote everything that I needed to do for the podcast. I also had a list for my kids, what they had coming up and household items that I had to get done during this time. So I had a detailed list for the month. And that was in one notebook. I had one notebook just for these monthly items. And anything that came up, I put on this list. And then I have another notebook for my weekly plans. So before each week, I use Laura Vanderkam's method of planning my weeks on Fridays. So each Friday before the week ahead, I would go through and I would put together using my monthly notebook what I had to get done and what I thought I could get done that week in each category. So my weekly list did not have as many things on it as my monthly list. And it was more specific and more detailed. So I have this weekly list. And then I like to plan my days the night before. So into that week, so Sunday before that week began, I sat down and thought, what could I get done on Monday in the time that I had to do work? And I would go to my weekly list and decide exactly what had to get done. And here's the key. Not only did I decide what had to be done during that time, I also decided what specific time during the day I would do that work. So I would literally schedule every item on my daily 
list and assign it a particular time of the day to do that work. Making sure to block out when I was teaching, when I had meetings, everything was scheduled. And I'm not going to lie to you, it was intense, but I was able to stick to it. And the key for me was that I knew exactly what needed to be done at a certain time of the day. I didn't have to guess what I'd be working on. So the decision was taken away. So each day I knew how I had to execute and what I had to accomplish that day. I also knew this was for a very set period of time. I knew that the schedule would not be this way forever. And the other thing that I really stressed is that I kept my weekly and daily plans manageable. I didn't want to feel defeated at the end of each day. Like, oh, I didn't get enough done. I didn't get half the items on my daily list done. So I kept it very manageable and I didn't make outrageously long lists for each day with so many items on them that there's no way I would have accomplished them. So if you're headed into a period that will be busy and intense, I really recommend this layered planning system. It takes a little bit of time just to get everything down on paper, but I really it for me it really helped and maybe it can help you as well. And you're able to work from a bigger list of what needs to get done and then pull items into smaller lists, which for me was really helpful to see that progression. And a couple other suggestions I have If you're headed into a busy time, be kind to yourself and know that you're doing the best that you can. Some days aren't going to go as well as you had planned, but others will go well. And I I had to keep reminding myself of that on a regular basis. The other thing that was really key to me is not to skip out on routines and habits such as sleep and exercise and healthy eating and making sure to fit those in even when you're busy, because that absolutely helps keep you going. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. I know there was a lot of information in this one, but I hope there were some helpful strategies and tips in there for you. And I really hope I shared something about setting up a more structured approach to independent reading that you found beneficial and hopefully will find some things beneficial for your students. All right, I will be back in two weeks, right after Thanksgiving, when the end of the year countdown is really underway. So until then, as always, you can find me on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life, or feel free to check out my blog at theliteracyteacherslife.com. All right, until next time, happy reading. Have a great week. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at the Literacy Teachers Life. My email address is Elizabeth at the Literacy Teachers Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.